than likely because, bruh, if you're tripping about $100 on the, on the steak, and I'm not saying not to do this, then you probably, you, you probably need to work on becoming a high-value male and become an entrepreneur, get a high-income high skill set, go through that corporate route like Ryan said, get yourself to a certain status financially because, again, here's the thing. Women view men as success objects and men view women as sex objects. Welcome to Hardly Initiated, where real men talk real shit. And it is your host, Tyshawn Jackson, and I'm locked and loaded with my co-host, Ryan Ketchens. Ryan, what is good? Yo, man, I thought you was going to forget how to say that shit, because it's been a minute since we've been in the studio, man, so I'm feeling blessed. Never forget how to ride a bike <laughs> or push the intro, baby. This shit is automatic. I got some nice. shit to say, too, man, because we've been going viral. You know, the, the internet is ablaze again. But before we talk about that, man, we got to introduce my boy, man. We got a legend on the show. Man, we have an absolute <laughs> legend on the show, and it's an honor to be, um, you know, blessed with. Uh, I, I would consider this man to be one of my mentors. Watched us, uh, man. Watched us come a long way, actually, Kenny. Yeah, because we, I guess, I think I've been knowing Kenny for about five years now. I think yeah, maybe we met years. about five years ago. And uh, first of all, I see the man all on my timeline every fucking day. Anyway. Listen, he's, you listen, you probably saw him too. This man is running ads, changing lives, and really a financial literacy expert and coach in the game. We got Kenny Conwell on the platform today, ladies and gentlemen. Fellas, I'm excited to be here, man. So we're about to talk some real good, some good wisdom. Yep. Always talk some shit and then just drop some gems for you guys. So that way you can kind of shift your perspective about how you're going about just life in general. And, you know, really... Instead of being given things, you can do the necessary work to demand things. And we'll cover that, what I mean by that. But you can literally get the things that you want out of your life. But it starts with yourself, right? Mm. So I'm, I'm really excited to, to, to tap in with you. Okay, hold on. Yeah, yeah. yeah. We, we coming right back to that. We, we, we coming right back to that because he already going deep. This going to be a deep show, y'all. And, and see, that's the thing. That's why we brought you on the show, you okay. know, because an important part of being a man is being able to create that value. Right. You know, and, and a lot of that value is in finances. So why not bring a financial guru? to the set and talk some shit about, you know, becoming a man and also having your finances. Wellness, together. wealth, and women, ladies Absolutely. and gentlemen. So let's get into it. But first, because I realized this too as I was preparing for the show, I had a lot of things I wanted to talk to you as it related to, you know, manhood, as it related to wealth. And also as I'm preparing to, you know, ask questions about your background, I'm like, yo, I don't know shit about Kenny's background. I don't know where you're from. I don't know what your household looked like. I don't know much about it. So give me, uh, give me an idea. First of all, what did your household look like when you were growing up? Um, father, I got, I, I have both my parents, you know, so that's the first thing I grew up, um, uh, military. My, um, parents, um, had me when they were in the military and I moved around a lot. So I was born in San Diego, California. Then we moved to Chicago, then New York, then New Jersey, then Virginia. By the time I'm 10 years old. Mm. So, and then my father, cause he was, you know, he's in the Navy. He was always, you know, for the first, I would say, 10 years of my life was at sea, at, at sea for the first six months out of the year. But um, third grade, I made it to North Carolina. And then in North Carolina, I kind of stayed at, um, elementary and middle, and then came to Georgia, actually, Gainesville, Georgia, my seventh grade year, because my dad had retired from the, from the Navy and 
transitioned to be an ROTC instructor. So we came down here for seventh grade, but then we moved back to Charlotte and then stayed in Charlotte from that time frame. Um, then went to school at um, A&T. So any Aggies watching, Aggie Pride, and um, moved to Atlanta. But basically my childhood was a lot of change, a lot of change. And I don't know who my kid, the, the my third grade people, I don't have any childhood friends, basically. A lot of the friends that I have are from like high school and college. Some of them from like ninth grade, but that's like really like how I grew up. But my parents um, were obviously military, Christian based, you know, strict parents. And I was a very rebellious kid. I ain't gonna lie. You know, um, I'm grateful for my parents because I wouldn't be the man I, that I am today without them, without their structure, really specifically my mom and my dad, because not only well, my dad kicked my ass. My mom was about that life, too, and she would kick my ass, too. And then what my mom wouldn't do, my dad would do. So I had a lot of that growing up. And, um, you know, but it was good, though. Like, like I, I thank them now when I think about it. I was like, you guys were, even in your weird kind of way of teaching me a lesson, it really helped me because with the military background and all that stuff, it really, really gave me a lot of structure and discipline to, like, realize that, hey, look, discipline is not a bad thing. It's a good thing because it actually sets you free when you understand how to embrace discipline. I learned that from my parents. Did you did you have siblings? Yeah. I've got a, a younger sister, and I've got an older sister, um, but my father had her before before my mom, before my he got married. So I have two siblings, technically. Um, and that time, th that time you had between, let's say, birth and 10, 11 years old, could you see a major difference uh, in the household when your pops was, you know, abroad and overseas than when he was actually inside the household? Not really. Nah, because, um, no, I think I was still young and my mom, mm -hmm. would, my mom was on my ass, but you know, not really, you know, I didn't really see a difference, um, because we would still see him, but it was just, he was always out to, he was out, I don't know what the terminology is, he's out, whatever military people do, um, deployed, deployed, yeah, yeah. Deployed. yeah. So that's how you know his ass ain't going to me. He said, hey, look, whatever they do, you know, yeah, whatever that is. And it's interesting because your dad, I'm sure you looked up to him. You know, you, you speak. Actually, let's talk about your dad because I don't want to assume that. Like, what, what were some traits of, of your pops? Like, what, what kind of dad was he? Was he like a staunch disciplinary? Was he a teacher? Like, what, what kind of what kind of man was he? In the I, household? Would, I would say he was definitely a disciplinary, you know, hands down disciplinary, um, paid attention to detail. Like anytime we had to clean up something, I could be vacuuming the house and I miss a spot. You missed this spot. And then I would have to go and, you know, get the spot that I missed. He's a military um, man. You know, so yeah, very, very sense. disciplined, um, would teach me stuff. Um, but really the biggest thing I learned from my dad is to never give up. Like my dad is a fighter. Like he, you know, to this day still fights. And, but, you know, disciplinary, um, made sure the household was good, made sure he took, took care of everything and, you know, treated my mom really well as well. Um, there was a, you know, anytime there was like an, uh, an issue with my parents, they, they never wanted to argue in front of us, but I always knew that they was going through some stuff. Um, but my dad always handled it real, real good. He didn't, you know, do the back and forth with my mom. You know, he would just, you know, say, all right, you got it. Um, but, uh, but, you know, growing up, it was real good. But, but one of the things I would say I learned from him was discipline. Right. It's OK to be disciplined. It's OK to to not you know cut corners. But my mom would also compliment that because not only was my dad a disciplinary, my mom came up with this saying shortcuts got catch ups. So don't try to take a shortcut in life either, because every time you do, you're it's always going to catch up to you because you 
you um you're you're trying to get around something and not go through the process. Mm. So. And you didn't. You personally made the decision not to go to the military. And you know, a lot of young men, especially, mm -hmm. they, they dad that did it. He took care of the household. That's the next step for them. Why did you choose not to do that? I think it's a combination of a few things. Number one, like I said, I was. I'm not gonna say I was rebellious, but, but I'm kind of rebellious. I'm always kind of did my own thing. I don't know if you guys are into enneagrams, but it's, it's a pretty cool personality test. I highly recommend you guys take it so you can know more about yourself. But I think number one, um, my parents did have a military youth academy. So before I even got to high school, the summer, my mom and my father, but my, it was led by my mom. It was her idea. We were in like this military boot camp over the summer. Wait, they owned the, the boot yeah, camp? Yeah, they owned the boot camp. Wow. So I was in it. All of our cousins was in it. <laughs> our neighborhood was in it. <laughs> so growing up, not only was, was, um, was I a part of that, and my parents really made a, like an impact locally. So they were parents that not only us but to other kids from other broken households that i realized like a lot of our family would always come to our house and my dad would be the one that, that would discipline them my mom would discipline them as well but but to go back to your question about why i didn't go to military so high school rotc college jrotc without being going to this whole long story about jrotc i decided in college that i did not want to go do that I wanted to be an entrepreneur. And that's when I got introduced to financial services. So I remember I went to the whole basic training and something happened and I could have fought for it. Um, something happened with this whole situation with me getting arrested in downtown Charlotte, which was racially motivated. And then they leveraged that to say, well, we're not going to get you a scholarship so you can still go, but we're not going to pay for your tuition. I said, you know what? I'm out of this. So I want to make sure I understand. So you in JROTC in high school, yeah, NJROTC in high school, and then went to ROTC in college. In college, gotcha. Right, so I, I did Army ROTC um, high school, and then I went to Air Force ROTC, Air, Air Force in college. And I was, I was on track to become a military officer, specifically with the Air Force. And at the same time, I learned about entrepreneurship, and I had always been an entrepreneur. That's one of the things I'm not saying. So when I was younger, I would always cut grass, wash cars. I was prospecting, doing all that stuff at a young age. So my parents really supported that vision. So when I went to college, I couldn't like cut grass and all that stuff. So I learned about like another form of entrepreneurship. So one of my biggest, I guess, dilemmas is like, I want to be a business entrepreneur, but I don't see I'm going to do that in the military. So with the Air Force ROTC, they didn't have like a reserve. It was either you were all in or all out. Versus with the Army, they did have a reserve. So when, when that whole thing went down, I think it was like 2007, summer 2007, um, and they said I wasn't going to get a scholarship, I said, I'm, not, I'm, I'm, I'm good on this. Like, I'm good. And then I just decided to just go full out in financial services at that point. My um, junior year, A&T. Financial services meaning, and, and that's, that's, that's the thing I'm, I'm curious about with you, because when I looked at your background, it's crazy. Kenny. Like you, we talking, you know, credit business credit, trust, life insurance, estate planning. Like it's, it's, it's just so much, yeah. you know, and you know, that you've learned over the, over this path. What, what was the first transition into it? What was your so, entry? So the first transition was at a and I'm still in ROTC at this point. I went to this career development conference and I know you guys get refund checks back in the day. And yeah, of course. absolutely. And of course. blew them shits. Oh, with my refund Because you, you graduated absolutely. high school, we said 2007? 2005. 2005. I graduated. So I graduated high school in 2006. Yeah, 2005. So, yeah. Um, so 
I'm at this career development conference. I'm trying to be a better student and all this, et cetera, et cetera. And this man is teaching on financial literacy. He's teaching about entrepreneurship, the whole system. And I'm like, you know what? I like this. I'll go up to the guy. I ask him if I can intern. And then that's how I got introduced to financial services. And he was working with a company called, which we're all, all familiar with, Primerica. And mm. then that's when I started to learn about the whole insurance and the investments and then also how it was all tied into entrepreneurship. And that's how I got my start. This is 2007. Um, yep, 2007. Summer 2007 is when I started. No, it was actually 2006. I got my license in 2007. So that strategy mm. at its finest, right? Because you decided what you wanted to do and you immediately went after an apprenticeship. Mm -hmm. And you go up and you ask a guy, hey, can I pretty much, was it work for free or was it? Yeah, it was work for free. I was like, hey, look, can I intern for, can I intern with you? I want to learn this. And he was like, well, I do you want even better? You can join the business and it's going to be two or three hundred dollars. And I said, bet. Now here's a lesson in credit. I didn't understand credit back then. So I got a free pizza in exchange for a discover credit card at the time and i got the money off of my discover credit card to pay for my license and my entry fee into primerica you know um and that's how i got started like way back in the day that's the formula though man because i tell guys that graduating colleges all the time they're like hey you know i'm trying to figure out what i should be doing so what i tell guys to do if and this is assuming you don't have the resources to keep yourself afloat while investing in the in your entrepreneurship endeavor i tell them guys go out and get you a marketable skill set yep Something Absolutely. that you can not only that you can do with expertise, but that you can communicate, hey, I can do this well. Absolutely. Right. Now, if you want to go out and get your marketable skill set, there's only a couple of ways that you can even do that. The one way which you did is seek apprenticeship. Mm -hmm. That's going to work for essentially he was a small business. Yep. Right. Was. And you're working directly with the boss. So the master is teaching the apprentice how to get this fucking work. OK. Yep. The second way you can do it, which is trudginess, but I still recommend it, which is go corporate. Not just any corporate, but you want to go specifically to a corporate opportunity that has a management or comparable training program. This way you can do two, three, max four years, getting you a marketable skill set, and then you can take that skill set and then launch a business. Yeah, that's not bad advice. I mean, yeah. you know, those, those, are very, those are really, really good ways to get positioned in. And when I, when I think about even my success, I, I unknowingly followed you know, that path. And I'm curious, actually, you know, to know for, for you, Kenny, because, like, you, you get these skill sets under, or now you're gaining momentum in the financial service area. So this is, like, this is, by the way, just be more specific. This is life insurance. This was life insurance. Okay. Yep, this was life insurance. And, and at the time, I think we're going we gonna to continue. No, 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 go ahead. So, so, so at the time, I had to get my life insurance license, and I didn't realize – Back in 2007, because I'm still in college at this time. <laughs> right, I'm still right. full-time in college. So I didn't realize that the way I got, I thought I got paid to bring people to the meetings. So I got really good at inviting people to these opportunity meetings, but no, I wouldn't make any money. So I went like six, seven months of inviting people. And at, the, at the time, too, I didn't have a car. So I would get the people to meet me at my apartment, and then I would ride with them to <laughs> the opportunity. But I learned you hustling. <laughs> I learned prospecting. But then um, somebody introduced me to becoming a broker, which meant you didn't have to be with one insurance company. You can be a broker. And then I learned this is why mentorships are so important. Who you get connected with is so important because I was I kept attracting people who saw my potential, but they wanted to exploit my potential for their reasons. Right. Make a long story short. I ended up learning how to form my own corporation. So I formed Conwell Financial Group, 
um, Inc. How old were you? Um, I was probably, this was 2007, so probably like maybe 2021. I don't know. I don't remember. Shit, how you were already ahead of yeah. 90% of guys. So that's yeah. officially your yeah. first business is launched. That was my launched. first business at okay. 1009 Dewey Street. And all the, all y'all Aggies know exactly where I was at, River, Riverwalk. So that's my <laughs> actual address, if you look it up. But I'm only saying that to say I became a broker, and then I started learning about you can get with all these other insurance companies. But then somebody introduced me. I remember I got my first business card. So embarrassed about this this story, but it just done is better than perfect. My first business card I got it from Vistaprint. So you probably all know about Vistaprint. But I've also ordered business cards from Vistaprint. All of us. I did the free. I did the free ones. Yeah. But because I'm a bad, I'm a recovering bad speller. I didn't realize that my first business card said Conwell and Isosceles. So I didn't even spell associates right. <laughs> so I'm out here handing out business cards, and this man says, look at this. This guy's, his, this guy's card is um, Conwell and Isosceles, and he laughs in my face. And then he was like, but let me, let, me, let, me, let me take you under the wing. And then he introduces me to Legal Shield, which was prepaid legal at the time. So now I say, I can sell this. And then I start selling Legal Shield and start recruiting people in Legal Shield, and then start selling those same people who had Legal Shield life insurance because a lot of people that I knew were college students, so it was a lot easier to sell identity theft and legal protection than it was life insurance. But then I was I would work their referrals, and then those referrals would turn to parents who people who actually needed life insurance, and that's kind of like how I started to get like some revenue and some cash coming momentum. in, and and some momentum. I get it. Everything I get you, it. You, you're doing it makes 100 percent sense and this is the thing sales is a vital life skill like if you want to know how to put money on it or how to put food mm -hmm. on the table you better learn how to sell some shit right and what's so interesting about that is because one of the things because again i'm in college so no college student wants what i'm selling so i start going to the professors and start offering it to them and then i start learning about online marketing i start learning about direct response marketing i start learning about sales skills i remember i bought this one this one guy's book i think his name is dean dean cipriano and he said there's three things you should be doing selling marketing and playing golf basically doing big payoff activities if you're not doing those things don't do nothing so basically you want to invest in yourself, learn how to sell, learn how to market, and close. Everything else is you can hire out. And you got to realize, too, because sales, the beauty of it is, like, probably the most transferable skill in life. Mm -hmm. Because, like, the me, the, the the period of my life where I really focused on master scale, sales allowed me to develop friendships yep. with people, being able to communicate on a high level. Mm -hmm. It allowed me to have this platform we're speaking on now right. and to be able to, uh, to communicate my ideas clearly because that's really all it is. Learning how to effectively and strategically communicate is really what sales is. It's, yeah. it's, it's, it's uh, intimate conversations that you have and that you're learning as well, right? It's about informing the other party right. what's going on, okay? Investigating, seeing what they got going on, and then understanding. So that's right. what sales is encompassed of. So if you can do those three things, then you are a master salesperson. And, and, and selling is not something that you do to people. Selling is something you do for people. And people have to understand that when you understand, when you really take the standpoint of the number one, you know, the number one reason why people do what they want to do is because they feel like it. So, mm -hmm. so it's your job as a salesperson to understand that person's perspective, like what you're saying to figure out, okay, what is it that I'm offering to this person that's going to help them feel like moving forward based off me discovering what they already wanted to do, right? So, so a lot of people think, oh, sales is a bad thing. I don't want to be a salesperson. You know, you are a salesperson already. You're just, what are you selling? <laughs> right, just a bad one. <laughs> what, are you, what are you selling, you know? So that's kind of like how I got my start into it. So when I fast forward and I graduated from a and 
my focus was not to get a job, right? So I wanted to do my own thing. Now, mind you, I started making some good money selling prepaid legal. I had a little team. And you were still in college. I was still in college, you know, doing my thing and then still learning stuff. So did by you the get a car by the, by, by the time you graduated? I actually did get a car. Okay. Right? I did end up getting a car um, because I had um, a car. The transmission went out, and I think God was trying to humble me, too. I had a 5.0 Mustang. <laughs> I love that Mustang. But um, I ended up getting a car um, by the time I graduated and all this stuff. Um, but and it was helpful because that, that's how I was able to sell. But when I graduated, I, I did not want to have to do the normal corporate America route. I was like, I'm out of this. So I moved down to Atlanta. I moved down, moved down from Greensboro to Charlotte, North Carolina. And um, I got a I got a roommate who's now he's still my business partner at this point. And we, you know, we I moved in with my parents for a little bit. And then I was like, you know what? This this ain't it. Like I'm I'm good. So I, I was living with them probably like a month, two months tops. And I was like, I gotta get my own spot. And I ended up getting my own spot. And along with getting my own spot, my parents like, my nickname is Casey because my dad's name is Kenny. So, so it's like, Casey, man, you should you, you need to really get a job. And, you know, we know you're doing your legal still stuff and your, your business stuff, but you probably should just secure your income and do that. So I was like, you know what, I'll, I'll do it. So I ended up getting this job at Wells Fargo, but Wells Fargo Retirement Division. So the way I looked at it was one of my mentors at the time was like, well, I think you should go to Wells Fargo retirement because I formed Conwell Financial Group, but then I went to this other business that I got introduced to through other relationships that he was big homie in the game. So I'm learning from him about annuities and re retirement accounts and trust. And he had a lot of athlete clients, but he really couldn't help me from Charlotte because he was in Raleigh. So make a long story short, I, I ended up going to work with Wells Fargo for about four months, learning retirement accounts and investments and all this stuff. And I said, you know what? I'm kind of out of this, this whole nine to five thing. Cause I'm still doing my thing on the side in April. I put my, I, I quit. I say, hey, look, I'm out of this. And then I'm going to do my own thing. And not only did I quit in April, I went and bought a brand new car too. So I went and bought a brand new 2010 Mustang, um, brand new, had 78 miles, quit, and then went to go work with, um, a financial planning firm. And then that's how I started learning financial planning because I was like, yo, I can be in business for myself and not by myself and I can still do all the things that I want to do. And then boom, that's how like I started like learning financial planning. It's, it's crazy because no, really. And, and I'm telling you, <laughs> Kenny went from program to program to program, yeah. like adopted a skill set, acquired this knowledge, acquired this knowledge base, acquired this knowledge base. And now I'm seeing how when I'm looking at the end result mm -hmm. of this resume that I talked about a few minutes ago, how it slowly accumulated. It's funny when I told, like, I'm warming Kenny up for the episode. I'm like, yo, Kenny, look, this is the way you talk here is how you'll talk to your 21 year old self. But uh, fuck that, his 21 year old self was on yeah. his shit. Well, and uh, I mean, you was really on your shit, and 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 I applaud that too because a lot of young men are very lost in terms of you know how to pursue their goals and their dreams. But you like, like I said, went about it in a very formulaic approach. Now, what I want to talk about, I want to go Failed back a lot though. That's that's what I'm not talking. I felt a lot, but go ahead. Now, I want to go back a little bit. Because you mentioned this, and I think, you know, it's a lot of young men that really don't understand this. You said you graduated college, moved back home. Yep. But you said you, you just said, I couldn't do that. Yep. I want you to talk about why was it important for you to move out your folks' house? Because, like, I had already been living on my own in Greensboro. So I only did the dorm one year. And then after that one year, I got an apartment. And I had a roommate at the time, but I had gotten used to what it was like to live on my own and to have to deal with, you know, an outside, you know, authority to tell me what I could and couldn't do in somebody's house. So I'm out of that. So 
when I moved back in, of course, my parents were very helpful. They didn't know where I was going to go. They said, well, you can just stay with us for a few months, you know, save your money, et cetera, et cetera. But um, I just didn't like, you know, like, I number one, don't get me wrong, I was dating. It's kind of weird bringing a chick over <laughs> to your parents' house because right. now they're thinking it's something that is not. But then number two, I just I just was out of that shit. Like, I, I was like, I'm, I'm good. I love my parents, but I, I got to do my own thing. But what, what's funny about this, me and my dad – Random story. We're we're cooking out. Um, I think I was uh, I had already left college. I think I was 24 at the time, and he was comparing not really comparing. But it was like, yeah, my son when he turned 18, he went to college. I knew he wasn't coming back home, and if he did come back home, he wasn't going to stay for long. My dad, we laughed about. It. I was like, yeah, dad, you was right. He's like, because he already know my personality. So with me being a very very independent person who doesn't like to be controlled, who doesn't like to have anybody having anything over me. I'm like, I'm getting my own spot. And I did. And, but and see, that's what you, you know, do. I, I'm happy, though, that although, because I hear a lot of people who claim to be this type of person, but I don't think they're also bringing the ambitious energy you need when you have that personality type to be independent. You better be focused and driven to be able to create you, for yes. yourself and to provide for yourself. Yes. Because what that can turn into is a excess of pride. And you end up, you know, just end up, you know, putting yourself in a, a, a bad spot because, you know, you want to be a hard head, right? right? You don't want to seek help or seek masters or be an apprentice how right. you should be. But, you know, I think I really think you did it the right way. And that ambition, I, mean, I, 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 want, I want you to go ahead because I, I was going to take it in a different way, but go, 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 go ahead. No, go, go, go ahead, go ahead. I, I really just want to know where, where the hell did that come from? Because your parents was not helping you make, any, me, mean, make these decisions. And I, you didn't mention any major mentor that was in I, your life. Was that just in you? Was that how, who you were? I, it's, it's interesting about this. There's two things. The first thing is you said something about pride, and that's really, really important to understand because you, God will humble you, right? You will be humbled by life. And I was humbled multiple times by life because of my ambition. Mm. Um, but, you know, where this come from, I, I would say, I don't know. I think maybe my mom, my mom had this entrepreneurship spirit. She still is. I just invested in their food truck, which I'm super excited about mm. um, to be able to do that. But um, but number two, I I'll say combination of my mom and my father. But my mom says that I have that we have, I guess, Jewish blood in us. And <laughs> hey, yeah, hit, so, me, hit me up with a dose of that joint. Yeah, right. <laughs> so, so, so I'm not going to say it's from my blood, but I don't know, man. Like this, I just like even like. Like my parents were real supportive. Like, if you, I wish I had photos that I can show you guys. Like, legit, I would have when I would cut grass before I got a riding lawnmower. I had a bike, and me and my dad we built a trailer that attached to my bike, and I would push my ride, my my push lawnmower, my blower, my weed whacker, my rake, and I would ride my bike to a yard, maybe two three miles away, cut the grass physically then go ride to another yard and i just learned this work ethic i don't know where it came i think the work ethic came from my from my mom from my dad and then just the, the entrepreneurship ideas came from my mom and i just had both of those things that you know where it came from and i don't know i don't really i, I can just only give it to them man a healthy household yeah, that's I mean, where it came I from and i think that's <laughs> underestimated man because you know it's women out there that actually say things like hey i don't need a man to raise my son you nah, know, yes, you do. You, yeah, you, you do. need a, a healthy. You, you need you need a masculine presence because competent. Think about what I just said, and now I'm just now like dissecting this as I'm speaking to you guys. I learned hard work, discipline, 
from my from my father. And low key, I learned sales and entrepreneurship from my mom. Mm. Right, my mom, she is an entrepreneur. So when I look at the dynamic, I I was getting the best of both worlds from them. And my dad was like, "Hey, look, always you know, leave the place better than what you, what it was." And he's gonna be on my ass about it, but. I think that's where it came from because they supported me being an entrepreneur because when I was in co- when I was in high school like I mean the the Jays the the jerseys the Jabos my parents didn't buy that I bought that shit I bought it from work like in high school I'm making 500 600 a weekend cutting grass so I realized like why would I get a job so I learned back then that it made sense to be my own boss I even low key had pe- my cousins working for me like back then they would help me with the rake and I would give them, you know, a little bit of things and all that. So I started learning this at that young age, but I think that's where I honestly think that's where it came from. I just kept going because I guess when I got that taste of independence at a young age and then being able to provide for myself at a young age and being able to, you know, when my parents was in between checks, asked me to spot them a quick 20, quick 30 here and there, and they would pay me back. I was like, man, this is kind of like where, how I want to go. But then even when I was younger, I always envisioned myself being a businessman. I don't know where this vision came from, but I always have envisioned that. I've always envisioned that, like always. So and I just kind of just kept acting on it. You know, it's, it's one thing I know about a, a strong household, what it can do, because a parent can't really force a child to do anything or be one way. They but, wanted me to go to the military. Let's be clear. And and, and, <laughs> I, and I can see that. And, and that makes perfect sense, which is why I asked that question and that's earlier. A, that's a program, too. So that, that makes uh, That's very sense, similar to right. your corporate going to a program like you Absolutely. stated. Now, the thing. Let me do that. And it's, it's interesting because one thing a good family can do for their kids, though, that's powerful, is expose them to these different experiences in life. Yep. Typically, when you look at kids who are like distressed, they don't really have money or a good family, they've, they've been exposed to a lot less experiences. They've had less experiences in life. Right. So they don't really know what they like or they haven't tried this food, they haven't tried this place, they haven't tried this lifestyle. And that early exposure at a very young age, yeah. I see how that can spark something in you where you can tap into your purpose a lot earlier as a kid, because a lot me per me personally, I did have these sparks, these visions of who I wanted to be, but I don't think I really tapped into my purpose till until after college, when I had a little bit more control and time to really think and reflect about who I wanted to be. True. But shout out to your parents. Yes, I think that's something huge that you know every. I don't care if you're a single mother or not, or if you have kids, try to expose them as much as they can to these different experiences, so they can be inspired to become these different individuals. Right. I, I learned that from your story just I, now. I, I would agree. And, the, and one one thing, just to speak on that, mind you, my parents have the Summer Youth Academy. So we're not just staying in Charlotte, North Carolina. We're going to military bases. We're going to Summer um, Youth Academy. And we're competing. Like, we had a gold team and a red team. Red squad. So, so now, not only are we learning and seeing different experiences, but we're having to at a very young age, either become, be forced in leadership and then other help other students or other help other kids learn leadership at a very young age. And then I had a lot of pressure on myself too because I was their son. So how was their son going to be the bad kid, right? I can't, I couldn't really be the bad kid, although I typically was the bad kid, <laughs> right? So it was like a weird type of situation. But to your point, that exposure I felt like was important, but then also low key, watching my parents parent other kids from broken homes. Like, my parents would always have uh, one or two kids from, like, a bad background, right? And you knew they didn't have a father figure. And my dad, hey, look, 
if if you come to the house, you come to the Conwell house, if you eat, you're doing the dishes. You're taking out the trash. Period. Point blank. You getting punched. Right? You're gonna you gonna get you're gonna hit with a belt. Like anything you do crazy, you will get reprimanded for. And that's how my my, my father parented. Like, you know, hold your hand out. And you know, it was a it went from belt to punch to jump for me. You know, so I they they got they realized that I didn't care about the belt anymore. But the point I'm making is is that I think that structure, but also seeing all those other things really helps um, a, a kid out, you know, be, become a better person. I should, I think it can help a grown man out, you know, and because not all, you know, not all men are fortunate enough to have grown in a two-parent household with healthy, competent parents, right? Mm -hmm. So, men, if you are out there and you have not had the opportunity to at least reach out to your father or get to know your father, I strongly encourage every man to do that. I actually just talked to one of my cousins uh, last week on my father's side because I'm trying to get in touch with him. Because it's the thing, guys. It's like it's in the closet. You get what I'm saying? You got these right. emotions in the proverbial closet that you need to unleash and heal through. It's very, uh, very, very important for, for men to do that. And the thing is, it only takes a couple phone calls probably for you to get in, to get in touch with that person. Right. Because the thing is, you can't get into these relationships with these women and the, the woman is asking you about your family. And you're like, I don't want to talk about that. It's right. a red flag. It is a red flag. <laughs> and daddy issues isn't just for women. That dudes have daddy issues too. Yes. Right. Yes. So, so that's another thing. That's a whole nother conversation to unpack. And you just hit the, you know, you hit it with that saying, "Hey, reach out to your your, your father if you don't have a relationship with him and and settle that." You know. Shout out to you not having daddy issues. As a matter of fact, and you know, it's healthy. It's healthy. And I'm it's, sure it's, healthy. it's healthy as hell. <laughs> and you know, I'm I'm curious because you had um you had this good household and you you've had these experiences in these programs teaching you really how to make money. So this is how these programs is how you acquire the knowledge and skill sets to become this man as far as, you know, the, in the wealth bracket of things. But it's just so many aspects. It's a spectrum of man and being a man. It's so many different skill sets and knowledge bases that we need to really reach our highest, our highest level, yeah. the best version of ourselves. And, you know, there's this other aspect of women as well, right, where we talk about building long-term partnerships, knowing how to date with you know, our reciprocals, knowing how to work in harmony and potentially be able to build families. Cause I'm sure you are already thinking about this long term. You already understand estate planning. You already understand. You probably got your will written. I don't know. Like the issue, but I'm sure your shit's yeah, I already got a trust. Yeah, you know, exactly. All right, so we need some consultation after the so, show. <laughs> facts. Yeah. But in, in general, how did you look at I think it's interesting with men learning that part of the game because there's right. not these institutionalized programs to teach womanhood. Usually it's the maybe you have a father, some uncles. How did you learn to manage and, you know, deal with women? So I think it's, you know, of course you, you can learn stuff from your father and your father's going to teach you stuff. Um, and I, I, I learned a lot from my father. Right. But I think it's also just going through experiences and then just realizing that, you know, in order to become the best version of yourself, you have to, you got to invest back in yourself, right? So if you look at, I think what a lot of people do or they don't do is they don't realize, how can I put this? They don't realize, they see something on the outside and they think that they want that. And then they don't realize what's required to get that. It's not what you want, is what are you willing to suffer for? Correct. So um, I don't know if I fully understand where you were going with the question but I think where I'm going to take it is in order to become like a, a man so to speak in relationships I think the best thing that you can do is work on yourself like you you got to work on yourself because you number one the, the the if we're honest no woman 
should be your purpose at all. And I'm going to say this, your woman becomes is second to your purpose. So in my opinion, you got God first. That is the head of your life. So whatever you believe in God, you've got to be spiritually connected to God. You've got to be able to tap in to an infinite source that's greater than you. But then number two, once you tap in, you got to figure out what your purpose is. Your purpose is your mission. Like that's the number one thing you got to be. You can't be out here on some trying to chase women because now what you're doing is, is you're putting, I'm not saying there's anything wrong with chasing women, but what I am no, saying is, is something wrong with that. If you do <laughs> chase women, you're not chasing your purpose. So now you will never be able to achieve the gift that God gave you because now you're out here fucking off with some, some chicks. Right. Right. And, or if you're in a committed relationship, you're now putting the woman over your purpose and she's going to resent you for this right so she's going to beta ties you beta ties you beta ties you to now i want to leave i want to i want to i want i think this isn't working out and what she's really saying covertly is i'm not following somebody who i don't know has a good relationship with god and the number two that's unsure about where they're going so what you do instead is start to figure out okay what is my purpose what am i called to do how am i going to help people and the best thing to do is start with these things, the proverbial hands, and, and go do some work. I'm not saying do work with your hands, but what I am saying is go out there, fail, figure this shit out, and then figure out, okay, because I'll, I'll wrap it up with this. Women are born, men are made. So no woman, no, you're, you're not going to learn how to be a man without on-the-job training. On-the-job training means go out there, fail, fuck it up, get your butt hurt, you know what I mean? Figure the shit fucking out, Right? Because if you're a man, you'll figure it out. And, and it's also important to get, a, get around other men that are going down this journey and have conversations with a mentor, have conversations with a, with a person that's where you want to be because that's the other thing. When I got into personal development, which changed my life, by the way, I started paying attention to what those men were doing. And then I started to do the things that they were doing and apply those principles in my life. So not only am I learning from I learn from my father, I'm also learning from what I see someone being successful. Now I'm not saying that my father's not successful, but my father did not go down the journey that I wanted to go on my path. So now I've got to learn not only from the Bible, which is a very, very deep book, by the way, which you can learn a lot from. Absolutely. I also started to learn from other men that were achieving the results that I wanted to achieve and started to adopt the philosophy that they, they, they adopted into my own actual life. And then I started getting those results. But you don't do that un unless you start to do, because all those things come after do. I think I got this from uh, Rolando. This is one of Ty's uh, un uncles. And uh, he said, man, as long as you do, you cannot lose. Correct. And, and when I heard that, I'm like, whoa, that was a bar because that's true. And you have to understand first as a man that it starts with that foundation that a man must be created. Right. A man must be able to provide value before he becomes a man. He must accept responsibility. Yep. So a lot of guys are out there confused about purpose, confused about finding purpose when the thing is if you just focus on doing what's in front of you, the rightest action, the 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 nothing that's anti-survival, survival motivated, you know, right. actions you will then discover that your purpose will evolve and it yep. will unfold. Yeah, because you're going to have different chapters of your life. Your purpose is going to always continue to evolve. And I realized I realized what my purpose was when I wrote a mission statement for Conwell Financial Group years ago. But it's going to always, you, you may, it's okay if you shift, right, with what you're doing, as long as you understand what your purpose is. But the other thing is, you got to accept responsibility. Mm -hmm. You can't be out here with the blame game. 
You're saying, oh, if it was for this, if it was for that, shut the fuck up. Go out there and make this shit happen, like right. straight up. Like you can, you can be, you can be the person who's gonna make an excuse, which excuses are just gonna manifest to more excuses, or you can say, well, you know what? Instead of viewing this as a loss, what lesson can I take from this, and how can I apply this lesson moving forward, so that the next time I'm in this situation, I can figure out a better way to operate and navigate the next time I find myself in a situation I don't like to be in. But most people don't want to do that. Or they're going to blame society for what society is not providing them and claim that, oh, well, society didn't give me this or my, I didn't have this and blah, blah, blah. Well, okay, well, we still have access to opportunities. So you, it's all about how you view it. Like, what are you going to shift here? And I think that's the other thing. You have to shift. Be, do, have. Not have, do, be. A lot of people want to have the nice car, have the nice relationship, but not be the person necessary to attract and have that. So if you just focus on the being, i.e. personal development, you'll be able to now attract the woman, attract the life, attract whatever it is, because you were doing, right? You're doing and you're being that person first in that order, right? Most of, it, most of us just want to have. And these guys, these guys that are chasing women, because this is the thing, I had these conversations with my homeboys all the time, you know, and some of them won't be homeboys for very long, honestly, as I'm building my network. Mm -hmm. But some of them are actually convinced that they do not chase women. So I want you to break down, what does it look like when a man is chasing women? It's a great question, by the way, because I think it's some confusion on that. It is lots of confusion. Because they'll be like, oh, I mean, I just met her yesterday. How am I chasing her? Oh, I mean, I just, I just got a premium <laughs> Tinder account. Me, I spent two me, hours me, on me, swiping me, all goddamn me, day. Let me, let me let's, let's break it down right now. You got a decision, right? You got a decision. You got to make a decision here. You committed to whatever your commitment was. It could have been, it could have been working out. It could have been going to bed at a certain time. It could have been not fucking. It could have been whatever your commitment was. Whatever it was. And she texts you. Ask you to come over. Or she's already there. And you know what your commitment is. What do you choose? Do you choose to entertain that situation? Or do you deny that and do what you committed to? That's what I define as if you're chasing women or not. Because at its deepest level, whatever you're committed to is what you're doing. So if you are willing to say, hey, really don't want to do this right now. I'm not going to do this. I'm going to tell this person no, or this woman no in this example. Then you are now chasing your purpose, and you're, gonna, you're going to have her bend to your reality versus you bending to her reality. Right. So case in point, is, is she coming to your house? You going to her house? I'm not saying you got to go to her house or anything. When you go on a date, are you telling her where to go? Or is she saying, hey, look, we're going to meet you. Leave me here. Mm. Right. Are you saying, hey, look, sweetie, I'm going to call you tomorrow or I'm going to hit you up whenever I have time. Or are you calling, texting, hitting her up? Because, again, you disrespecting yourself for the pussy. Mm. Right. Most of y'all motherfuckers out here disrespecting y'all for, for you're, you're disrespecting yourselves because you want the cookie because you don't understand how to transmute that energy. Now, I'm not saying not to get the cookie. Right? I'm not saying that, but what I am saying is, is what are you prioritizing? And if you if you look at your last five text messages right now, what who were they to? What were they about? Mm. What are we talking about? I like that, Kenny. And and you mentioned the, a commitment because some guys don't even make it that far. They never got no damn commitments. That's a problem in itself. You don't even have anything to choose aimless. over <laughs> aimless, right? Which is a sin, by the way. A big one, sinny, sin, sin. <laughs> <laughs> so, so yeah. I mean, I mean, I'm. I, I would say that's that's a. And then, and then, what, what, 
what are you doing, man? Like, I'm not saying there's anything wrong with having a good time with a woman, right? But what is your priority? Like, are you, and again, I'm not going to make this about dating. Like, I'm not tripping on the price. Like, who gives a shit? Like, if I go out to a nice dinner, she can get the steak, I can get the steak. I don't give a shit. I don't give a shit what the bill is. Because I did the necessary work to be able to get the nice thing that I want. So I'm not going to trip about her getting the deal. So I'm not tripping about the thing that went out virally about the guy not pay, paying at Applebee's. But that motherfucker, <laughs> had no, he had no business going out. He should have did the work necessary to be able to provide for himself enough and another chick if that's what he wanted to do. So let me ask you this. Is it, I guess, is it a safe statement to say that if you're concerned about the cost of dating, is that just a, right there a trigger to say you probably shouldn't be dating? I think the trigger is probably, we'll say more than likely, because, bruh, if you're tripping about $100 on the, on the stake, and I'm not saying not to do this, then you probably, you, you probably need to work on becoming a high-value male and become an entrepreneur, get a high, high income skill set, go through that corporate route like Ryan said, get yourself to a certain status financially because, again, here's the thing. Women view men as success objects and men view women as sex objects. Mm, I never heard it put like that, actually. Yeah. So now, because we know women are still going to view us at the end of the day, as a success object at its deepest core from the standpoint of providing for them, not necessarily want to have sex with them, we now need to, by definition, focus on ourselves to be able to be a provider. And in this day and age, we're not providing with literally going out with a spear and killing and, you know, and bringing back the, the, the stuff. What we have to do now is say, what am I going to do internally to become a better person so that way in this stage of life, in this state of human society, I can provide for myself financially. Right. And that doesn't just mean financially. I can also provide for myself physically, spiritually, mentally. Bro, are you going and getting pedicures, massages? Are you working out? Are you eating healthy? Right. Are you looking at Pornhub and jacking off or are you <laughs> are you redirecting that energy straight right, up? Right. Like, what are you doing? Because like so it's not. So now when you come with that presence to a woman, she can't help but deal with it. But if you are here tripping and you didn't do the necessary work because, again, you don't know what your purpose is and you're now disrespecting yourself for the pussy. You're now going to do all these things to chase a woman to get the pussy and she's going to give it to you on her terms. Here's another thing. Women make, and this is going to tell you if you, if you chasing her or she's chasing you. Women make rules for betas, break rules for alphas. Yes, I ain't got so many rules broken for me. Why? Because I'm a high value person and I've done the necessary work to be this. And I'm not saying that you want a woman to break rules for you. But I'm just helping you understand because if you see her putting all these rules in front of you, she is viewing you as a beta. She may be viewing you as a male that has a penis, but not a man, not a man that can lead her, not just financially, spiritually, mentally, emotionally, all of the things that a woman truly needs to nurture. So that way, when you give her your seed, literally your sperm, if you go down that road, she's not going to do anything but incubate that and give you a kid. Cause that's all women do. So now if you're unclear, you're not a good place financially and you get with a woman, she's going to only reciprocate back to you. The lack of bull, the, the, the bullshit that you're giving to her. So we got to now unplug from that for a little bit, take some time off, you know, from, I'm not saying if you want to have sex, have sex, but 
your focus needs to still be yourself. That's the moral of the story, right? Because, because again, women don't communicate overtly like men do. We're very direct. We're very straight to the point. Women are covert with the communication. Absolutely, and it's not about what they say as so much as to what they do. You don't don't give a I don't give a shit what a woman said. I used to get caught up in that, right? And go tit for tat and all of this stuff. You said this, and and don't get me wrong, <laughs> I have fallen victim of that, right? But then I realized that you know, what is she really saying behind what she's saying, right? If she's going tit for tat for me, there's really an issue that she's covertly communicating that is with me because all a woman is going to do to you. Really all a relationship, but a woman is just going to reflect back to you the bullshit or the great stuff that you have going on. But most of us aren't willing to accept responsibility for the bullshit that we have going on because, again, we disrespecting ourselves for the pussy. Mm-hmm. Right? And we can't do that. I'm on the same page with you with all that, man, because, you know, I'm, I'm big on the manosphere. You know what I mean? I'm, I'm big on, on making sure that you become a, a real man mm-hmm. out here. So the things that you're saying very much so resonating with me. And I don't think it just applies to guys that's trying to get their shit together. I also think the things that you're saying applies to guys that's trying to also level up. Right. And I'll give you an example of this. I was having a conversation with Tyshawn maybe a couple weeks ago. And I'm like, man, I don't know what's going on, man. But these women, like these very beautiful women, I'm attracting right now. And I'm like, I want to go out with all of them. Mm-hmm. And he was like, man, you know, you, you still celibate. I'm like, yeah, I'm celibate. And uh, but I was like, you know, you know, my celibacy ended June 1st. And I'm like, you know, I think after June 1st, I want to get it popping. But as I started to really evaluate, you know, getting it back popping with these women, I realized that time that I took off to to be celibate, I picked up firearms training. I picked up a Spanish uh, uh, Spanish tutorial, and I'm like, damn. And I'm spending money, by the way. I got me now. I got me a trainer getting us 4K footage every day. So I'm, I'm, I increase my expenses. Now you, I'm making more money. You're investing money. I'm investing money. Correct. I'm investing money. Then I realized, damn, I don't even have time today. Right. Today, these you know all of these beautiful women. Right. So even that made me even more right. more specific to what I want and the type of woman I'm gonna spend my time with. Right. Because now you have you have done and and, and I think it's important. For a man to go by himself and really go on that journey because it's not it's not easy being celibate man like straight up like i I mean that is a that is a tough thing but when you do that this in my opinion ryan allows you to grow closer to the number one thing in your life which is god yep because now you through that you know separation and then being by yourself and then going and working on yourself you can kind of start working on some of those demons Right, you can start working on some of those those insecurities, some of those things that you're projecting in the relationship because you're not you're not going to attract what you want. You're going to attract what you are. So although she may be looking good physically and all of this stuff, you're only going to attract what you are because we're all energy. We're we're all spiritual energy um, beings having a physical human experience. So now when you do that, you you start to realize that man, I, I ain't got time to deal with this. And then what you would have dealt with. You ain't dealing with that. He's like, I'm not dealing with this nonsense with this chick. And I mean, listen, chick, if we're going to do this, this is how we. This here, is how it's going to go. This is how it's going to go down. And if it ain't going to go down that way, then I'm sorry. I love you. I don't, I don't, I don't even say I love you. I love you as a human being, but I'm going down this road. This, this I road. mean, when, when, you take care of your, when you take care of yourself first, you start to make a better decisions, not just better decisions, more decisive, quicker decisions. Correct. 
Yo, first of all, yo, Olu, give me a hand clap right here for Ron keeping his dick to himself, man, because first of all, that's a major accomplishment. Many it men is, can't it do is. it. It's been six months, man. It's been six months. It's still going, um, you know, but I am I am off of celibacy now. <laughs> <laughs> In case y'all open. Oh, so, yeah, I am open. Now, but, but, but only only for the only, I don't, I'm not going to say only for the right woman because, you know, but only for a specific type of the qualified woman. Right? Right? Qualified the qualified women. The qualified. Go ahead. No, no, no. Kenny, go ahead. <laughs> I can get his spin right now, brother. You, you got to really, and the, and the thing is, is too, man. Like you got the our creative energy is is um a lot of I'm not say it all comes from our um our sexual drive and desire, but it does. Yeah. So now yes, you got to realize, like you know, anytime you don't release for a while and you release in a chick, ask her if she feels more energized. See what happens. <laughs> I did that a couple. She's like, "Yeah, I feel real good," but because you I literally you deplete yourself of your of your gift, your energy, your vitamins, so you your resources, real, your energy. You right. gotta be real strategic with that. How you shooting that man? You just can't be shooting that all over the place. And you gotta value, like you really do have to value. It's seed. It but is, see, but see, the, the truth of it is, a man only values his seed as much as he values himself. Oof. You know. So the thing about it is, as a man gets and becomes more valuable. He now deems his seed to be more valuable, and he's right. more careful with it. It's right. risky like, at that point. It's it's very yeah, risky at that is. point. He wants to give it with you know with 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 care, and you know it, that's very telling of where a man is in his life, how he manages his seed. You can tell a lot about him, and just where he is and what phase and stage you know that he's in. And I I want you to talk. I know I know I was I was actually pretty impressed with that. You you broke that down quite um, a few times. You you talked about transmuting. Oh yeah, the sexual energy. It's not easy transmuting the sexual energy. What exactly does that mean when you say transmute the sexual energy? So for me personally, I have these phases where I won't have sex or masturbate or do anything to release because I realize that when I get into that creative space of redirecting my sexual energy to my purpose and my craft, it comes out in my work. This is why. If you look at some, some um, even like artists, some artists will not have sex with women or not even do that because they're literally putting together an album, they're putting together a song, they're in that creative space. So really what I'm saying is instead of releasing your semen and when you have that urge to want to release, redirect. Redirect towards working out. Redirect towards a book. Redirect towards a course. Redirect towards arms training redirect because what will happen is not only are you and then you're gonna have to do this still coupled with prayer and meditation right i want to make sure you i i i i say that because now not only you're going to redirect the sexual energy you you got you still got to be tapped into god so that way you can starve that part of your personality but typically when you do now that's and it's going to sound kind of crazy that sexual presence that masculine presence is actually coming through your aura and you're starting to attract things, not necessarily things you don't want, but things you do want because you were willing to tap into the, the gift that you have. Right. So really, at a, so what I'm what I'm saying is said another way is instead of releasing, hold it and then go focus on something that you can better yourself. And it doesn't have to be about money. It can be about uh, whatever you're trying to in, improve. And I guarantee you that you will be able to take it to the next level. And the other thing, too, is when women and other men will start to concede to you because that presence can only be felt through that. Like, I, I really can't explain. I've just done it 
uh, multiple times. And then when I do it, it's like, man, I got more clarity. I don't have to deal with this. And when you release, now you feel all depleted. But the other thing is, is that you can get addicted to the depletion, meaning you can get addicted to releasing. And I'm not saying not to release, but if you now get addicted to that and you haven't given yourself that ability to transmute that sexual energy, you're not going to know the other side of it because now you're taking all the creative energy that you have because we're a limited resource and I'm giving in all these other areas when I should be giving it to myself. I agree. And so, you got men out here that's fucking and uh, jacking their dick, you know, five to seven times a week and ain't did shit. Mm -hmm. They they having, you know, having these uh, sexual releases like a hobby right. rather than treating, you know, uh, pussy as a reward. Yep. Yep. And uh, it's really insane to me how much uh, guys are giving themselves up like that. It's, yeah. it's, it's really shameful. So I, I want to notice more formula formulaically, uh, if that's a word, but how often do you go on these, like, uh, what do you call them, sabbaticals? And then how, how often and for how long? I don't really have, like, a, 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 like a, um, like a schedule of it. It's just okay. kind of just, just like what I'm going through. But don't get me wrong. I like to release. Don't get, don't get me wrong. I, I love women. Right. <laughs> On the contrary. I like to release. Right. I do. <laughs> but what I've realized when I've noticed my journey, I was like, man, every time I'm by myself, I'm redirecting my sexual energy and I'm coming up with, I'll put it to you this way. If I'm about to record like a sales letter or a sales video or do like a whole series of anything speaking, I don't release. I hold it because I want my presence to be felt. And the best way to do that is to redirect that sexual energy. So anytime I'm getting ready to do like a really, really big marketing plan or I've got a lot of, which I don't take that many calls, but anytime I know it's something important, I might go you know, like a week, two weeks, three weeks, no release. And then I go and I perform whatever it is. And people are like, yo, you did that. And the secret thing that I'm really doing is not only did I tap in to not releasing, I redirected that energy that I would have been given somewhere else towards what I was trying to perform at. That's when I typically do it. Um, you know, if that makes that So makes my sense. goal is to build this platform big enough so next time we invite Kenny on, he's going to like, I'm going to hold this now for three weeks. For right, 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 right. Exactly. Next a episode. <laughs> if you bought a digital product from Kenny, you just got nutted on. <laughs> Slayer. You absolutely did. <laughs> That's all the energy right there. That's, That's it. That's Yo. funny. I never thought about it that way. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> Yo, that's um, that's that's phenomenal, man. And you know what I think? I, I went to one of the beautiful things um, about this past weekend. I heard that um, a powerful brother, uh, Myron, uh, Golden. Myron Golden speaking. Myron is the goat. He said something that really stuck with me, and I think this is another big part of um, the uh, celibacy aspect. I've only went celibate one time, thirty days, the longest I've ever done in my life. I haven't done it in a while. I'm thinking it's probably getting close. I'm getting inspired in this episode here. But what, what I would say is he said something that stuck out. He talked about the key about us performing, and I'm summarizing this, is, is confidence. Mm -hmm. He broke down that the, um, the root word is confide, and confide means to trust. And then he went on to say many of us don't have confidence in the decisions we make and how we move and our presence isn't strong because we don't trust ourselves. Because we tell ourselves we're going to do these things all the time. We don't commit to it. He said, you are the only person that knows every single lie that you've ever told. Yep. 
And we think that these lies, we can get away with it, especially if we've you know told somebody something quick and we may have gotten away with it. But think they're it's, it, it's, it's deep. It seeps deep into our subconscious mm-hmm. and it affects our presence and everything about us when we interact with people and just how we move in general. So even as you commit to something like celibacy, commit to a morning routine, commit to doing anything and, you're, and you stay consistent with it, you really become more powerful. Yep. You really be- be- believe and trust in the decisions that you make mm-hmm. and that you can really craft and do and create whatever it is that you say that you're going to do because you do that shit. Right. It's so funny because that shit hit me so hard that it really got me very intentional with just certain language, even things I've been saying. I, even last night, I was like, man, I'm going to go to the grocery store. I said it like around 3, 4. It got about 8 o'clock. I said, no, nah, I said, whoa, whoa, whoa. No, your ass said you going to get your ass up. We going to the motherfucking grocery store. I'm not lying to myself, but in general, I know that's a small example, but we do this with very important things in our life. I'm going to work out. I'm going to wake up early. I'm going to go to the gym. I'm going to read this book. I'm going to build this business. And it does not happen. You're losing trust for yourself every single day. It has a compound effect on your subconscious. Right. And, and no, and women have a sixth sense for that. So no woman wants to follow a man who doesn't meet the commitments because it shows up. So, so, so now we've got to, if we're going to be committed to the, sometimes stuff, life happens, I get it, but you start to renege on yourself and it does compound. And then now you start to accept what life gives you versus you didn't make your commitment. So now, because you didn't make the commitment to make your bed, I didn't make the commitment to wake up early. I didn't make the commitment to throw that trash away. All of that stuff is seeping into you at a cellular, cellular level. So now, not only are you subconsciously creating that neural pathway that's creating that habit, you're now changing the cells of your body that turns into some person that reneges. So, what do you think is going to happen when you show up with a woman? Like, what do you, what do you think? What do you think you're going to track? Right. I'm mm. on man. Listen, that's some mm. heavy shit because I'm on the same page with you, man. That's that's exactly how that works, and it's no secret. It's really not, how you think is not a secret Mm-mm. because how you think is how you feel. And of course, how you feel is how you act. Yep. So at some point, the shit is going to come out, mm-hmm. you know, and you really do have to be protective of yourself and your and your mental, um, you know, capacity by making sure that you commit to what you internally think. Yep. Or the decisions that you, you know, you come up with. That's really yeah. where it all starts. Don't renege on yourself, man. Um, 21-year-old Kenny, don't renege on yourself. 21-year-old Kenny, have confidence in your decisions, right? Uh, 21-year-old Kenny, a 21-year-old, listen to me. If you felt like you should do that, you should do it. If something's telling you to quit your job and go pursue entrepreneurship and you feel like you can, you can make it happen, do it, right? Trust yourself. Like, you're, you are connected to the infinite. And the more you listen to this gut, for me, is right here. The more you listen to this, the more you, you, um, you, you make good decisions. Because one other thing I want to break down for the, for the minute kind of segue really quickly is this is my perspective, right? This is just my perspective based off what I've experienced. I'm not saying it's going to be you guys' perspective, but just let me know if you guys agree with this. As a man, you've got to be able to separate three things. Number one, your physical desires. From number two, your emotions. Which number and number three, your feelings. Now, a lot of people say, well, feelings and emotions are the same. No, they're, they're a little bit different, right? Because your feeling, your true feeling, when anytime you do something, you said, man, anytime you're going to do something, he's like, man, I should have did X, Y, Z, or I should not have done anything. You wasn't emotional about that, but you got that feeling, right? You got that feeling. That feeling is connected to the infinite. So you got to, number one, listen to your feelings, 
because your feelings generally are connected to the infinite. That's going to tell you what you should or shouldn't do because you're always going to get that feeling. But your emotions typically come from like anger or somebody can cuss you out or you can cuss somebody or somebody can blow the horn at you. You can get emotional. You didn't get you get a bad feeling about that person. You probably got emotional. But you may not be emotional about a scammer who you know is a scammer, but you'll get a bad feeling about that scammer. So number we, number one, we got to be able to dissect that. But then number three are physical desires. And this, here's where it gets good. Your physical desires for the opposite sex what might mean that I am physically attracted to this individual. Right? This person is fuckable, right? But my feelings are telling me straight up, don't do this. Do not go down this road. And I think what's happening with men is they're confusing physical desires with emotions, with feelings, and they're not listening to their feelings. They're over they're, they're being driven physically and then they're getting into emotional situations with these women because now you did all these things, you know, whatever, or you're not or you're not addressing your emotions yourself because you're emotionally chaotic, um, chaotic or however you say that word. So now you're showing up in places and getting into situations emotionally that you have no business being in. So the segue all of that, understand, man, understand, young man, that you're going to have your physical desires and that's cool. But don't confuse your physical desires with your emotions and don't confuse your emotions with your feelings, because at its greatest core, your feelings are connected to the infinite. And just because you get emotional about a situation doesn't mean you have to get physical. And just because you get physical with a person doesn't necessarily mean you should get you know, emotional or feeling. But the thing is, is that you've got to be able to own that. So if you're saying, hey, look, I'm going to be upfront with this young lady and say, hey, look, I want to do X, Y, Z, be upfront. Most of y'all are, are lying to the women or telling them what they want to hear, getting them emotional, or you're getting emotionally enthralled. And you're getting doing that just to get the physical desire. But if you just realize that the root cause of a lot of your issues come from that physical standpoint and you're getting in situations that you have no business doing because your feelings told you not to do it now you're finding yourself in a precarious situation does this does this make sense I'm, man I'll listen follow. I'll it follow. makes it makes sense so when, when you when you describe feelings you mean it more as like as an intuition mm -hmm. something that's coming from yeah. a deep place yeah i i completely get that and i and i would assume that at your weaker state you all of those are one to you yes you know, you, you don't you can't tell the difference between your emotions and your feelings, probably moving more on emotions than anything else. And then emotions dictate what your actions are and, and how you uh, exactly interact with the physical realm. Yeah, I should have. That's that's a good point. So your feelings typically is connected to your intuition, which and your intuition is connected to the infinite. So you've got to be able to tap into that on a daily basis. And the best way you do it is through prayer and meditation. But if you're not doing those things, they all seem like it's one big pot, you know, and it's like, well, what is this? What is that? And you're kind of like walking around as a zombie as opposed to like really saying, well, do I just want to physically be with this woman? Do I just want to physically do this thing? Or is or am I tapped into something that's greater than the situation? Right. So now when you start to realize and you separate them, you start to realize, nah, that was a physical thing. So now nah, let me go ahead and go on a celibacy tip, celibacy mm -hmm. tip and not do that because I know my fit, my physical thing needs to be starved and me tap more into maybe addressing my emotions and figuring out how I can be more emotionally stable or tapping into my intuitive self so that way I can make better decisions to get connected with my infinite purpose. Mm, and see that, that when I hear all of that, a man who has the ability to clearly decipher that one, he's hot, he, he is present, mm -hmm. right? He's, he's very present in what's happening and all the things that's going on around him, how he's feeling, 
right? His emotion, his intuition, he's present with all of it. Yep. He's aware of it and he's able to make the best decision. And that to me is really when we start talking about self-mastery. That's, I think that's what that really is. Yeah. Uh, a man that has mastered himself to a point where he understands himself and can make the best decision based upon what is really best for the greater good. Right. And, you know, unfortunately, you know, a lot of us, you know, this this world does a really good job at distracting us. Oh. You know, a really good job at distracting us to, to keep us away from being in tune. You know, like you said, with God, the infinite source of intelligence. It, I mean, we distracted as hell, so we, we really got a long way to go. Yeah. Let, let me ask you this, Kenny. So the thing is, it's my understanding that women want men who other men respect. So I'm listening to the things that you communicate, and I'm like, yo, I respect Kenny. I know you. I respect you. Where can young men, and now ladies as well, find these groups of men who are in pursuit of self, seriously in pursuit of self-mastery? Like, where are these men at? It's a good question. So I think, you know, this is kind of ties into money too. Like, I think that the best thing, the, the best way to find people is if you're, if you if you buy a book on personal development, right, or if you buy a course on whatever it is you're trying to buy, whatever you're trying to improve, there's going to be a group of people who have purchased that program who are going to be on that same or similar wavelength as you. So I think the best thing to do is find a mentor or find someone that you look up to, find someone that you respect and see what they're doing and what they're tapped into and then start to figure out how you can get into their network and figure out how you can figure out those other individuals who are, who are on that same wavelength as well, because you can maybe connect with them, form an accountability relationship, you know, or get connected in that group of people because the individuals who are on this tip are in one small concentrated place and they're in a bubble. So now you've got to put yourself in that bubble and, and not saying that you can't be in normal society, expert, et cetera, because it's all society. You just have to go where they are. Right. So, um, a lot of a lot of uh, Facebook groups are out there. There's some Telegram groups, but again, if it's anything that stretches you or causes you to grow, is going to feel uncomfortable. So those groups are somewhat going to challenge you. So you've got to get around that, so that way you can challenge the things that are internally that you're fighting on to get through it. So I think the best way, in my opinion, is just buy a course, buy a program, um, follow some people, listen to some podcasts like this podcast. And then, obviously, through podcasts or platforms like this, see who these people are in, being interviewed and figure out what they're doing. What are they connected to? You know, who are they? Who are they following? What books are they reading? And then do those things that they're doing. Man, let me, first of all, let me tell you all something. I had a whole list of questions that I was going to ask Kenny, and I probably only asked twenty five percent of them shits. <laughs> like, man, let me tell you all something. Like, man, Kenny, let me tell you, I am absolutely impressed with this conversation man and um you know it, but it makes sense right because a man to ascend to a certain level of success it literally is just because he has acquired and become like you said be do have so you can't fake this shit you really can't fake it so it's probably safe to assume that a lot of brothers that have uh, uh, acquired a, you know some level of success has a level of depth and knowledge to them but man, you dropped some game on there, man. Them viewers, 
I know, I know they loving this shit right now. The other thing, too, is, like, it's not just about the financial success, man. Like, the other thing, when I started getting to the bag, I realized that getting more money didn't make me feel better. Right? Ah, uh, so, man. Like, that, that's what I realized. When, you know, I see, you know, you make your first six figures, and you start doing seven figures, and you realize that, okay, it's just seven figures. Like, whatever, who gives a shit? So you start to realize that to take it to the next level, you have to tap into yourself. Like, because now all money and cash... We didn't really talk much about money, but all money and credit does is amplify. So although you, and I want to speak to the brothers who are, might be financially successful, right? Brother, if you're feeling empty and you feel like you're hiding through your work and you're not doing the things necessary and you're trying to use your money as a way to get things, I caution you not to do that because there's probably still some things that you got to work on internally, some demons you're fighting with. Some You got to go get lonely and realize that, hey, listen, when I start to like tap in and pray, pray, meditate, fast, feed into yourself, you can really say I'm not going to define success by just pure physical outside success, although that's a part of it. What about your relationship with God? That's what? a part of for other people because it, happiness is, is more about, you know, who you becoming rather than, right. you know, what you're getting. Right. And I, I was on that shit. I was on that bullshit, Kenny, because I, I had lots of conversations with Tyshawn, especially as we started making more money. And I just used to tell him, like, bro, like, I'm not happy, dog. Like, this shit is not making me, it does not satisfy it's, me. It's not. <laughs> it's not going to satisfy you. It's, it's, it's just, it's, money is just a scorecard in the, in the result of you doing certain things. And I'm not saying not to get money because I get to the bag. But what I'm realizing is that my purpose is allowed is what is what allows me to get to the bag, right? So, like straight up, my purpose is to eliminate the wealth gap in the black community by ten percent before I die. Mm. And by because I've made that my purpose, and because everything I do around finance and entrepreneurship and credit and all this stuff, because I realize that I happen to be able to get to the bag and I happen to make money. But it's not about just making money for the sake of making money. It's about how can you make the money to make change and throughout the process of you making the money, realize that that bag, although it's going to make things more comfortable, it's not going to make you happy, right? What makes you happy is transforming somebody's life. What makes you happy is that testimony about how you help somebody get a house, help, help somebody get a car, how you change a generational curse, because that's in alignment with your purpose. What makes you happy is realizing that, hey, look, I can be by myself. I don't have to be posted. I can just chill and have a good relationship with my parents or just take my mom out for a date take my father out for a date, right? Invest in something. Do do these things that are going to, the things that you think that you have to have money for, you can do those things now. You don't have to have the money, right? Because what happens again is all money does is amplify. So when you see these people get into the bag and you see how they're showing themselves, it's just now amplifying things at a higher level. It's amplifying greatest insecurities that they have. So get to the bag, brother. But also make sure as you're getting to the bag, going from one level to the next level is going to require you to spiritually strip yourself. And it's not, it's not, it don't feel good. It don't, it don't look good. It's not sexy. People don't want to talk about it. But if you want to wear your truth, you got to, you got to shed that because otherwise you're going to be out here getting to the bag and blowing it. Right. Be on, in the sake of what? The insecurity that you haven't addressed. Mm. So, so, so realize, fellas, like you got to dig deep because once you understand what your purpose is, it's, you don't want to get to heaven or whatever you believe and say, man, you only accomplished 
10% of what your true purpose was because you got you got caught in that one level. You got caught in that one karma of, I, I was just focused on this, when there was so much more that I have for you, but you never tapped into me because you were blinded by the, the physical level of money or the physical thing, whatever it was. Mm. Deep. <laughs> man, let me tell you hey, something. Anytime I get Drop that. Yeah, Drop that. <laughs> it's, it's about that time, man. It's about that time because right now, man, we, we met our quota today, but Kenny has over-delivered on this shit. These mics is attached, but if they wasn't, we'll t pick it up and drop that shit on the goddamn ground <laughs> because that's just what he did, man. And I, I actually, man, I, I feel refreshed. I just left a sermon just now, man. This feels good. And I see why you're successful, man, because, you know, I, I did expect to, to fully come in here and talk a lot about finances, but... I'm realizing that uh, a big part of you being able to uh, earn, maintain, and then now teach other people how to get their financial life in order is your mindset. Yes. Very closely connected, if yes. not intertwined. Yes. You've got to shift. That's like really the biggest thing I teach is like you've got to shift your perspective. Be, do, have. Right? And then you'll have. Be, do, have. Have Kenny, let the people know how they can get, uh, get in contact with you if they because I know they're gonna want to get in contact with you. Let them know how they can find you. Absolutely, you can find me on Instagram, Kenny Conwell, but make sure you spell my name right K E N N E Y C O N W E L L. I'm also on YouTube under Mr. Money Savvy, and my Facebook is also Mr. Money Savvy. But if you just Google me, Kenny Conwell, I'll pop up and you'll be able to connect with, connect with me that way. But um, I'm happy to help out. Listen, I'm 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 happy that we had you on the show, man. It was a blessing, guys. Please go ahead uh, and copy a keep women feminine shirts right there below the YouTube channel. We also got the Alpha Energy shirts in there, man. Go ahead and cop those too. But listen, subscribe to the channel. We got some phenomenal things coming for you guys. Some great messages like the one y'all just had here today, and share this with somebody that needed. Because I already know I know about five six people that need it, so I know you know somebody <laughs> that need this message here today. But listen, we do appreciate you tuning in to another episode of Hardly Initiated. We are out.